I was forever yielding to compulsions because I feared something terrible would happen if I didn't. For example, it felt to me as though I had to obey the thoughts in my head and let them choose almost everything I did. That would be like what to wear, what to eat, which item to select on the shelves in a supermarket, and other things besides. It felt like the thoughts pushed me to double-check that I locked the doors, turned off the gas stove, the taps, among other things that exhausted me. It happened because I have obsessive-compulsive disorder, OCD, which was active at the time. So unless I did the rituals, my anxiety would stay high. I was living in an imaginary world that felt real. It was like another being was inside that world, threatening me with strange ideas that thoughts could turn real. For instance, when I was thirsty and thought of having a glass of water, I knew the water wouldn't just appear because I had a thought about it. It's rational to get that. But when I thought about the fearful thing in my head and then not doing what it wanted, well, it made me believe its thoughts could transform and do the terrible things it threatened to do. I found logic didn't work, like trying to reason with it, which made me confused and distressed. For example, it was only later that I realized that the anxious part of the brain scans for danger only, it doesn't reason like the thinking part of the brain. And so, to tell it to back off was a waste of time. This part of the brain was doing its job by looking out for potential danger. I just didn't see it like that at the time. In any case, it's why people like me jump to fight, flight or freeze mode. As rituals, these might be avoidance or escape. Or it might be washing frantically to fight germs or to feel clean. Other times, it might be standing on the spot in fear of dying right there and then. Fear of dropping dead any minute might be because you didn't do what OCD wanted such as wearing your blue pullover when it wanted you to wear the red one. It's magical thinking, but you're not thinking about that, you're just frozen on the spot, hoping death won't happen. Overvalued ideas At this time, I didn't know I had OCD, and I didn't realize I had overvalued ideas. That means I struggled with a lack of insight about obsessions. Due to this, I was conflicted about what was real and what wasn't. And so, because compulsions strengthen obsessions, my faulty interpretations worsened, and my thinking about intrusive thoughts appeared delusion-like. As a result, people in my life had fears that I'd lost touch with the outside world. In this particular case, I worried they could be right. So I did mental rituals that involved checking my mind and analyzing my thoughts to prove that this was not my problem. However, I later learned through my studies that delusion-type beliefs in OCD differ from those seen in people who lose contact with the external world. For example, the latter are people who perceive or interpret reality differently from people around them. They are more likely to have a psychosis and do not identify or acknowledge delusions as unusual. They do not see the doubt in their beliefs. Therefore, a misconception is maintained despite arguments and other people's reasoning to prove its falsity. In contrast, people who have mistaken ideas about their obsessions know they have those erroneous conceptions but struggle with uncertainty. Thus, even though insight is lacking, as in my case, hesitation arising from doubt, which is the source of OCD, is present. In other words, you know something is amiss in the way you think about your thoughts, but doubts linger. Obsessional doubt. I read that an obsession is like a narrative that originates from doubt. When I look back, I can see my obsessional story unfolding. It included many mistaken beliefs and inferences. One of my erroneous beliefs about a harm obsession was thinking fearful things. For example, Thinking, if I'm having such terrible thoughts about harm coming to my family, it must mean deep down I want it to happen. And an inference was remembering someone telling me that mild-mannered people can turn aggressive out of the blue. That was gossip.
Even still, I'm mild-mannered, so an assumption like this added credibility to my narrative, making me doubt myself. It had me imagining all kinds of scenarios that I thought could be real about me. Consequently, it attached fears that I might be a psychopathic killer this time. Sometime later, one thing that dawned on me was that I didn't have any doubts before an obsession. For example, my fears about doing something terrible surfaced after I developed OCD. Before that, I knew the opposite about myself and had no doubts about it. It changed my insight like a clear vision on a cloudy day when I suddenly realized how doubt works in OCD. In other words, seeing that doubt is the source of it and how intrusive thoughts instigate one's creating an obsessional narrative helped me unwind my own narrative. Also, learning that doubt can be triggered by an external factor. For example, I saw the absurdity of hiding sharp objects but still had intrusive thoughts that I needed to double-check. I needed to make sure they were definitely out of sight, just in case I did the terrible thing. Somehow, you fall deeper into losing sight of the present as it drags you into a hypothetical future, the road to your imaginary fear. It's where the fear of your uncertainty of what will or won't happen awaits you. Then, without realizing it, you respond with rituals to reduce anxiety and ward off danger. It's a primitive thing because the part of the brain that alerts you doesn't know whether your fear is real or imagined, which I mentioned earlier. And so, if fear is in our imaginations, it acts as though it's real. Nevertheless, it's still scary because you daren't trust that it's not real. And so, you still fear the hypothetical outcome. Admittedly, I try to hinder possible consequences with rituals, or at least I did before my recovery. And so I can see now that doing such actions is all in vain. The more you do them, the more lost you become in the obsession. Recovery I know that resisting rituals is of critical importance to recovery. And so, unraveling doubt in the here and now helped me survive OCD. My story's outcome is that I first used cognitive behavioral therapy that helped me change my beliefs back to before OCD started. Second, I uprooted the inferences and swapped them for sense information in the here and now. In this case, an inference-based approach is on the lines of, yes, some mild-mannered people might turn aggressive out of the blue, including me, but it's highly improbable. But if it does, I'll be prepared to handle it. In that case, I do not need to check further through ritualizing. Such a statement takes care of everything because if you feel urged to check or have a brief return of symptoms, you can go back to it and use it in the here and now and until doubt begins to wane. So I find it very helpful. More significantly, I changed yielding to compulsions by systematically doing exposure and response prevention, ERP. Again, it's an evidence-based treatment for OCD. So, finally, severing the association that rituals are the solution to getting rid of anxiety helped me recover through a graduated process of becoming less sensitized to my fear. Or, in other words, ERP helped me become less bothered by a hypothetical narrative and feared consequence. Inferences Source from Clinician's Handbook for Obsessive-Compulsive Disorder by Kieran O'Connor and Frederick Artema, 2012